0: Amen, and may that be, thank you Ashley, may that just be the prayer of those of us who claim and submit to Jesus as Lord, that it would be our desire more and more that He is the one that we long to worship, to ascribe worth to, and to sacrifice anything and everything for, because He's worthy. So we are uh, back uh, we have two more weeks yet in our series called In But Not Of. How is it that God calls us as, as followers of Jesus to be different from the world for the good of the world? How are we to live in this world but not be like this world? And that is good. Good. For this world. Today, we are in a passage, Matthew 6, 1 through 4, that immediately follows the passage we were in last week. It's our third of three passages during this series from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And so, if you have a Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 6. And today's message, we're going to be talking a bit about rewards. And so you see that if you turn there, uh, you know. As I thought about that and was thinking about this topic of rewards, I did a th- some thinking about how rewards happen and how that might be different um, from back when I was a kid. Now I know I don't feel old enough all the time to say back when I was a kid. Like I feel like I need to say that in that kind of like Back when I was a kid. Um, but back when I was a kid, uh, and my parents are here today, so they remember what it was like back when I was a kid. Uh, but But I remember, I think I remember, that if you wanted to get a reward for something, you actually had to do something. Uh, I seem to remember that from when I was a kid. But as I looked around on a couple of things uh, this week, I did a couple of searches and found there's all sorts of ways that we can reward kids especially uh, for... Things that we, I think, didn't used to reward kids for. Like, we used to kind of just expect some things, and we didn't expect that we would get rewarded for everything. But now there's rewards available for everything. I mean, you go to the dentist and you make it through, you get a bravery reward uh, for that. You go through a shopping trip and you do not throw a fit in the store, reward for that. Uh, You uh, play in a tournament and you lose every single game, reward, right? I mean, you like, we get get rewarded for all sorts of things and almost nothing at all we can do and we expect to get rewards. And we couple that with the fact that uh, as, as people who still have sinful hearts, we crave rewards. We crave especially the approval and acceptance and recognition of others. And so... That's what makes today's passage from Matthew 6, I think, especially helpful and needful. If you are like me and you struggle with being a people pleaser, you need to hear this message today. If you're one who loves to generously give, and serve, uh, give for and serve others, you need to hear this message from Jesus today. If you are a new creation in Christ Jesus, trying to figure out what does it look like to live in this world without being of this world, to not love all of the same things that the world loves, and to be driven by all of the same things that drive everybody else in the world, we need to hear this message from Jesus today. Here's the title of the sermon, Rewards Now or Later, Serving in Secret. Here's the big idea today, righteous acts like generosity done loudly will gain the praise of people now but done secretly will gain a reward from the father later It's the big idea today and if you have your Bible with you I hope you're in Matthew chapter six it'll be on the screen as well and if you're able to would you stand as we read God's word together this morning first let's pray father I'm so thankful That all of these people sitting in this place are not dependent and are not needing, especially this morning, words from me. I would have nothing to give if it were not for you giving us your word and making it so clear who you are and what you call us to. And even while you do seek to make that clear and you give us your Holy Spirit to uh, illumine your word and to shine a light on our heart and to give us understanding, we recognize there's a lot of things that could distract us. And so God, would you please help us? Would you please set aside distractions? Would you please set aside other affections in our heart? And would you help us to be focused this morning on hearing from you? in your word, and allowing your word to mold and transform even the way that we live. For your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's read God's word, Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Jesus is still speaking to his disciples on the mountain, and he says to them this, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then... so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. Amen. You can be seated. Now just a a quick note about context as we jump into this. Last week we were at the very end of Matthew chapter 5, so this is the very next verse. But last week was the end of a string in Jesus' sermon where he had done six times in a row you have heard that it was said but i say to you and last week was the sixth one you've heard that it was said love your neighbor and hate your enemy but i say to you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you and then last week the the passage ended with this command from jesus be perfect therefore as your heavenly father is perfect and so we looked at that last week and now We're into chapter six this week. When Jesus was preaching the Sermon on the Mount, he didn't say, and now chapter six. He was just preaching, right? Uh, And so, so, chapter six begins a string of three times in which Jesus is going to say, when you fill in the blank. Okay, so this is the first of the first of three, when you fill in the, or actually, but when you even. Okay? So, That's kind of a little bit of context for us as we get into this. And verse 1 in the passage we're looking at today is the introduction not just to the passage we're looking at today, but verse 1 is the introduction to verses 2 through 18. We're not going to look at all of those. We're going to only look at 1 through 4. But verse 1 is the introduction to all of them. Okay, So, let's go ahead and look at verse 1. Verse 1 is a warning. It begins with a warning. The the word translated in the ESV is beware. Jesus is starting off this part of his sermon with a warning, a letting people know there is a real danger that's out there. What is the danger? He says, beware. What are they to beware of? Beware of practicing your righteousness. And I stopped there, but I shouldn't have stopped there with my line break. Because... Jesus is not warning you against practicing righteousness, right? Are we to practice righteousness? Yes. We are practicing righteousness when we obey the commands of Jesus that we just saw in the chapter before. When we're loving our neighbor as ourselves, When we're loving our enemies, right? All of those things, those are practicing righteousness. And so Jesus is not saying, danger, don't practice righteousness. But he is saying, There's a certain way in which you can practice righteousness that you need to be aware of. And here is that way. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. It's possible, right? To do the right things for the wrong reasons. Do you believe that's true? That it's possible to do the right things for the wrong reasons? Jesus is not warning them not to practice righteousness. He's saying you could be practicing righteousness, though, and you could be doing it for all of the wrong reasons. You could be practicing righteousness, doing the things that Jesus commands us to do, seeking to live godly, holy lives in the midst of the world, but seeking to do it in such a way that we are seen by other people and doing it intentionally before them. And why does Jesus warn us about this? Why is he saying to his disciples, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them? If your goal, if your motivation for doing righteous things is that other people would see you, Jesus says this, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. By practicing righteousness now, intentionally in front of other people, so that other people notice what you're doing, you are forfeiting something that would be coming to you later, namely, a reward from your Father who's in heaven. Now that's an interesting, I mean, they they tell you when you're in seminary, if you're going to give a sermon, you've got to have a little hook at the beginning that gets people to want to listen. Jesus says this at this section of the sermon, I'm a disciple sitting on the mountain. I'm tuned in. Hold on a second. Rewards from my Father in heaven? And if I get stuff from people now, then I'm kind of forfeit. What, what, what's he talking about? And like I said, verse 1 is an introduction to this whole section, which we're not going to be able to go through. The first thing he's going to talk about is when you give to the needy. Then he's going to talk about when you pray. And then he's going to talk about when you fast. Okay. But I think the heart behind all of this is Jesus is not so much getting at the commands of what we are to do he's getting at the motivation for doing them and how we go about doing them okay so we will mention giving to the needy today because that's what Jesus is talking about here but I think mostly Jesus is trying to get at our hearts and so verse 2 says this thus when you give to the needy sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. So Jesus is giving them a negative example. Here's what I don't want you to do. Yes, I want you to practice righteousness, but there are some hypocrites who are going out in the synagogues and in the streets, and as they do a righteous act like giving to the needy, they're doing it in such a way that they get... Noticed by other people. They're doing it before others in order to be seen by them. Even saying that they will announce it with a trumpet. Right? So, so hey, everybody, look at me. So, um, one, one practice for those of you that are parents with little kids at home, even if you're not a parent with any kids at home, um, one thing that we've started doing a, a number of months ago is on Saturday night for our family worship or family devotion time, we're looking at the passages that we're going to look at on Sunday morning and all of you, even if you don't have kids, you could do that, right? And, and if it's a passage that could be acted out, because when kids are younger, they need to move, we, we usually try and act this out. So last night at our house, uh, we I took the, a couple of the kids down in the basement with me, where I store my trumpet that I played in high school, okay? Uh, and, and I said, all right, I gave them some money, uh, and I said, we're going to go upstairs, and I'm going to play my trumpet to announce your presence, and then you're going to make it widely known that you are here to give money to your needy grandparents, okay? And so so the two younger kids had money that I had given them, and I, I don't think I'll do it now because it's loud. Okay, uh, ter- turn the microphone. I'll turn my microphone. clapping I might do a solo sometime Um, (laughs) I like to be praised by people Uh, (laughs) so so we did that in our house uh, kind of making this big deal of announcing it they're like uh, let it be known that I am giving my grandparents some money right so like that kind of thing and Annika, on, on at the other hand, I had also given her some money. And while everybody was paying attention to those who were drawing attention to themselves, she quietly slipped some money to Kirsten. And when we got done, the people who got praised were the two people who had very publicly, with the announcement of a trumpet, given money to their needy grandparents, right? And, and so, so they were, oh, thank you. Both of, the, both of them said thank you. I patted them on the back. And they got recognition there and then right? And Jesus is saying, don't be like that. There's these hypocrites who in the synagogues and streets announce their giving to the needy with trumpets in order that they may be praised by others. You know how sometimes, sometimes you study scripture and you're like, man, this is, I know this is God's word and it's valuable, but I'm having a hard time figuring out how this applies to me in my life. This is not one of those places, right? This is not one of those places where you have to like, hmm, I wonder, I wonder how that might apply to me. I mean, can anybody here honestly say, well, thank God that I'm not like those hypocrites because I don't care at all what other people think about me. I've never, never, I have never tried to do something in front of other people that they would recognize how, how good I am, that they might praise me. I would never do that, right? None of us can do, oh maybe, maybe there's some of you, I can't, right? And so I think there's lots of room for application here. Jesus finishes this verse by saying this, truly I say to you, they have received their reward, okay? It's not that they're not going to get rewarded. If you do your acts of righteousness like giving to the needy in front of everybody so that everybody sees and hears it, you're going to get rewarded. People will praise you. You will be recognized. They will pat you on the back. And Jesus says, and that's it. They've already received their reward. Done. Application. Here's one of, I think we all have, maybe, or at least a lot of us, I should say, have a propensity to pursue praise from people. There's a lot of Ps, okay? We have a propensity to pursue praise from people. We just, that, that's the direction that we drift. I know that's the direction that I drift. And here's one of the ways, I think, in which a couple of reasons we struggle with this. I was thinking through this this week. Why is this such a hard habit to break? This, this desire in me to, to be recognized or praised or thought of as good By other people? I think one is, particularly when it comes to what Jesus is talking about here, giving, I think it's partially because generosity is often recognized and praised by other people. Right? Generosity is often recognized and praised by other people. When I was a student at Northwestern College, and there's some others of you who are also graduated uh, from there as well, and so maybe you have been called by those people who try and get your money even while you're still paying back your student loans. You know those people? I was the student manager of those people. So my, one of my jobs in college was to manage the groups of students who would put on headsets and with a little card in front of them call every alum of the college uh, and and parents and other donors and ask them for money two times a year. Okay, um, And so they would do that and... Uh, and they would ask people for money, and a lot of times people would tell us, here's why I can't give at this point, point." and we were, our script said, well, you know, even something, a gift like $5 would be helpful. And so some people would give a gift of $5. Now, our college, like any other college, I assume, had a lot of buildings named after people. So we had Zweimer Hall and Ben Pearsom Hall and DeWitt Hall and all these different halls. My guess is that the DeWitts, donated more than $5, right? And the Zwemers, in order to get the hall named after them, didn't just give them a $20 bill in the mail, right? That, that generosity gets rewarded and recognized even by sometimes getting your name put on a building, right? We even had, uh, we had a special room for our, our we had like the, the, the students that were really good at this I put them in a special room to call special people who gave lots of money. They were the tower club, right? So, so, so they were, they were uh, big donors, and so we had students who were really good at conversation go and talk to those people to try and woo them into giving even bigger donations, right? So all of, all of this kind of stuff makes me recognize that we live in a world where generosity is often recognized and praised by other people. And there are advantages in the here and now to being generous, right? That, that if you are generous in this way and you donate to this, you could get your, a building named after you, you could get your name on a plaque, your name on a banner, your name is in the program, you're in the gold club, you're in the platinum club, all of that kind of stuff. There are advantages to being generous in the here and now. So we may not blow trumpets on street corners, but there are ways... Hey, we're doing a service project? I know somebody at the time, Citizen, I'm going to let them know so that they come and cover us doing our service project is really kind of like blowing a trumpet. Would you, would you come and take an account of us doing this generous thing to help the needy in our community? Please cover this so that it is widely known in the community that we're people that, you know what I'm saying? So, so that kind of thing, this is not like a, oh, I can see how that happened in Jesus' day, but that doesn't happen anymore. No, we still live in a time and a place where generosity is often recognized and praised by other people. And here's the other reason we struggle. My sinful heart still craves the right now reward of the praise of other people. That this is, I think, an ongoing struggle for many of us. We struggle with being a people pleaser. We figured out maybe how to do it in kind of a way that sounds humble. They call it humble bragging. Okay? Okay? Um, that, that we've found out a way, like, oh, I can, I can say this, and I can, get it, I can let it be known to other people, all the good things that I have done, without sounding boastful or arrogant. So we find way, I find ways to do that. We struggle with this. That's why I often have to go back to Galatians 1.10, where Paul says this, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. We need to go back to that. We need to go back to that often. Now, one thing before we move on to verses 3 and 4, that is another, I think, point of application we don't want to miss. Again, like I said, I think what Jesus is doing here is he's primarily getting at the motivation, at the why and the how, and he's not even giving commands here. He's just assuming that his followers are going to be doing these things. He says, when you give to the needy, later he'll say, when you pray, and later he'll say, when you fast. There's an assumption that if you are a follower of Jesus, you are doing these things. And so in this passage, there is this assumption that Jesus has that his followers are going to be following his example and having compassion for those in need. So when you give to the needy we are just as Jesus followers were in his day surrounded by needy people and the assumption not even the command here just the assumption that Jesus has is that we as his disciples are going to be giving to the needy now I actually had in my notes kind of a list of, here's all the ways that we as a church are giving to the needy, and then I thought, you know what, that sounds a lot like blowing the trumpet. Uh, so I took it all out of my notes, and I'm not going to tell you. okay? Uh, but but you know, like w- w- there's this assumption, we see this here, that Jesus just as he expects, his followers are going to be people that pray, his followers are going to be people that fast, and his followers are going to be people that give to the needy. Okay. Now back to what he's got to say about the heart behind all of that. Point two out of two is this, a reward from the Father later. Point one was a reward from people now. Point two is a reward from the Father later. Let's look at verses three and four. Verse three says this. Jesus says, but when you give to the needy, so remember there was a negative example Here's what they do when they give to the needy. They're announcing it with trumpets that they might be seen and praised by others. But when you, so here's again, remember this whole series, how are we going to be different from the world? Here's the way the rest of the world does stuff. They give to the needy. It's not just Christians giving to the needy. But Christians give to the needy in a different way. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Do not let your left hand know what your right hand. Jesus is using hyperbole here to, to help us to see how important it is that what our giving is our giving is done, and he even uses the word in secret, so that your giving may be in secret. Saying, not even, I mean, now is it not really possible? I mean, your left hand and your right hand are both. Controlled by one brain. So obviously your left hand is gonna know what your right hand is doing, but he's trying to make the point very clear that our giving is to be so quiet and even secretive that that it's not even known in our own body members uh, that this hand is doing this. When you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And then he says this, and your father. Who sees in secret will reward you. So that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So the contrast is between these people who are motivated by the praise of other people, they're going to get their reward here and now. The other people are going to pat them on the back, put their name on the plaque, right? And Jesus is saying, Those of you who give in secret, you're practicing your acts of righteousness like giving to the needy in such a way that it's not even known to other people, you will receive a reward from your Father, who, though no one else sees you, he does see you. Now, this brings up some interesting kind of, okay, so what's he talking about? Your Father who sees in secret will reward you. What's he rewarding you for, and what are those rewards going to be? Right? Because he's rewarding you specifically for doing something like practicing an act of righteousness. And those of us who have been taught rightly that Scripture teaches that we are saved by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, hear something about being rewarded based on our works and be like, "Huh? well, uh, what, what's that about? And Jesus doesn't really say much more here than this than the fact that you will be rewarded by your father for these things done in secret now i put in your application guy because this would be like a great uh, bible study uh we had some good time talking about this in our men's group on wednesday morning because the passage in second timothy we were looking at also talked about rewards and so what is the place of rewards Those of us who who believe that Scripture does clearly teach that we are saved by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, we're not saved in any way by our works. But is there some varying degree of reward that would come to believers sometime in the future? And there's a lot that Scripture does have to say about it, And because Jesus is not focusing on that here and now and telling us exactly when and how and what that looks like. I'm not going to take time in the sermon, but I would encourage you, in the application guide, there's a number of other passages that you can take some time to look at this week to just read what does Scripture have to say. When we get to a spot in Scripture that's a little bit hard to understand, or like, well, that seems different from what I've heard before, then we got to let the rest of Scripture interpret Scripture. I think what you'll see as you study that is there is a day in the future, some day of judgment when. Believers are, unbelievers are condemned and believers are rewarded. The ultimate reward being welcomed into the presence of Jesus forever, but also varying degrees of reward following that depending on what was done here on the earth. So, more on that. If you have questions about that, I love to talk about it. If you're in a life, none of the life groups have started except for the guys life group. Read scripture, ask questions, talk to other believers, What does scripture have to say about rewards? So, here's where we're at. We can do acts of righteousness like giving to the needy, and we can be rewarded for that in the here and now. Or, it seems, the other option is that we can do acts of righteousness and do those, like giving to the needy, doing those more secretly, and we can expect to be rewarded by the Father later. Now, We live in a world of instant gratification. Like I said at the beginning, we live in a world where we're expecting to get rewards now. We've been trained to be people who expect to be instantly rewarded in the here and now. So hearing this teaching from Jesus, probably even more in our day than it was for the people in his day, I think we're not people who do a very good job of waiting and being patient and expecting... uh, gratification to come or reward to come much later than now. So so we're just used to that. We we can't even get through dinner without checking that notification that just dinged on our phone. Right? We're used to getting it now. You want to know the weather forecast? Well, you don't have to wait for it to show up on the news or wait for the newspaper. You can get that now. You want to know the score of the game? You can get that now. You want to know crop prices? You can get that now. The latest headlines, you can get those now. You want to know what your friend ate for supper? You can probably find that out now because he took a picture of it and put it on Facebook. Right? We're used to kind of getting whatever we want now. Want to know how many steps have I taken today? Well, I just look at my wrist and it tells me how many steps I've taken today. Right? I don't have that, but uh, my wrist doesn't tell me anything. But, but you, Right? We're used to like everything we want. We can get it pretty much now. That's the world that we live in. And so to hear this command from Jesus and to hear that when we give to the needy, we're to do it in a different way, not expecting and not looking for a reward now, but doing it in order that we might be rewarded later, that being one of the motivations for this kind of thing. We need to hear that, and we need help from the Holy Spirit to give us a greater longing, a willingness to set aside immediate reward in order that way we might get something much better later. Now, I say all this stuff, and sometimes I recognize that we hear things like this, and, and we maybe fail to um, get a real sense for what this might actually look like. Okay, So I'm going to tell you just a couple of quick stories that might help kind of put some meat on this like okay so I hear that principle I understand that but let me just tell you a couple of quick stories one is just a story uh, that I read so some of you you are gifted by God with words and you often give words of encouragement to people and nobody else knows about it except the person that you encouraged. maybe you wrote them a note. Maybe it was just a kind word spoken at the right time, and nobody ever knows about it. You don't make a big deal about it, so you don't get patted on the back. You don't get a plaque given to you for it, but you're going to get a reward later for it. And let me tell you a story that I just read uh, recently about a, a church. I think it was out in Tennessee uh, was this person's church. It was a Sunday morning, and a man entered uh, the sanctuary to go to the worship service, and he looked like he was living a rough life. Uh, so his clothes smelled uh, of smoke and other things. Uh, he, everything was kind of all beat up and dirty and all of that kind of stuff. He walks in, and one man comes up to the pastor, having seen this man come in, comes up to the pastor and says to the pastor, this this guy smells bad, uh, and just look at the— like, He's going to be a distraction to other people who are trying to worship today. What should we do about it? And the pastor was about ready to get everything started, so he didn't get to really respond to that guy. But thankfully, that guy didn't go greet this visitor. This is the guy's first time in the church. But there was another guy who saw this guy come in, and the other guy was himself a recovering alcoholic. He had been kind of down at the bottom before, and so he very quickly went over to warmly greet this man, asked him his name. The man says his name is George, and he shares his story uh, of how he's a heroin addict, and he's just trying to find anything he can to help, and he thought maybe being in church would help him kick his addiction to heroin. And so this man listens to him, speaks some kind and gentle words, and makes this man named George feel welcome. Same Sunday, same church, lady named Janet walks in, also not looking very good on the outside, has two little boys, and she finds out there's a nursery they'll take care of her kids. She needs a break, and so she takes her kids to the nursery. Brings her kids into the nursery, joins them for the worship service, comes to pick up her kids along with a horde of other parents after the worship service. And in a very kind and respectful and gentle way, but knowing that she probably would want to know that, the nursery, one of the nursery volunteers just took her aside and let her know that during that hour her kids had picked multiple fights with other kids and broken a number of toys and were very destructive, not only to property, but to people while they were in the nursery. This mom, fed up with life, yells out a curse word in the middle of the nursery, uh, just, just, just worn out, and, just, and so she just says something in front of everybody gathered, all these kids, all these parents, and the assumption probably of everybody there is she's not ever coming back. But that nursery volunteer who had already spoken some kind words to her there knew that she had signed in because they had a registration for all the kids in the nursery, so they had her address, and she proceeded to send her a kind and encouraging note in the mail, uh, just trying to be understanding of what it's like to be a mom and all of that stuff. They start a friendship, get to know each other, come to find out that Janet is married to George, and Janet also has been dealing with a heroin addiction, and, and it has been Uh, in great need of some friendship and some love. Eventually, Janet comes to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, and she's now the nursery coordinator in that church, okay? Um, Kind of a cool story of how God would use just some everyday, normal people, you know, not, not the pastor in front of the church, just people in the church who genuinely want to share words of encouragement and gentle, kind words with people who are willing to listen. And God uses that. Some of you give money now in secret and you can expect to be rewarded in some way later. I remember uh, a time uh, for Kirsten and I, uh, she had been in the hospital pregnant with Mariah and uh, had a number of health issues, was in the hospital for a week and, and we were dealing with a number of different things and there was a family in our church um, and, and they, they uh, anonymously dropped off an envelope in our mailbox uh, with $1,000 cash in it. That was extremely helpful at that time. And you know what? They never got a thank you from us. Um, we were pretty sure we know who it was because I think we saw their, the back of their car when they drove away. Um, but we knew their heart, their desire was to do this anonymously. So we never even, you know, we never wrote them a thank you note. We never got to express our thanks to them in any way. So they didn't get rewarded here on earth, but I expect that, that those kind of, and I bet we're not the only people they've ever done that to. I got to hear a story just this week in our own church of one family giving another family over a thousand dollars, and nobody knows about it except those two families, and nobody ever will, except for our Father who sees what is done in secret, right? And so some of you are able to give in that way. Others, give your time. We're at a time of the church calendar where everything's just ramping up. And there's a number of you who sacrifice much of your time to serve others. You're doing all sorts of work behind the scenes. You're not getting patted on the back or anything like that. But you continue to work and to serve day after day, week after week. There's a volunteer who's been coming to deal with some building issues over the last week's who's been in here nearly every night and most Saturday mornings, hours of work after work to serve all of us. Most of you have no idea who that is. And that's okay, because that's not the desire. The desire is for something much greater than that. And we can know also that the Father who sees what is done in secret will reward. That's what we see in the passage today. So there's just some examples of what this might look like. And so I know those of us who have a lot of different roles and maybe sometimes feel like, and I know we could as a a church, we could do a much better job of showing our appreciation and thanks for those who serve in many ways. But I would say to you, even even if we fail,